Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Hope all of you are well and safe out there. And if you're probably listening, you know, if you voted, you know, you're making your voice matter and all that important stuff. And how are you, my man? I am I am anxious. I am uh, I have not gotten sleep in a couple days. I am uh, I am wired. I am hyped and uh, mostly not in good ways. But uh, I'm here. Eh, you know, I hear you. A lot of the country is kind of that way. You know, with me, I've been dealing with a little mini back injury, but I'm here. You know, listen, if, you know, you take one for the team. So, but so speaking of taking one for the teams, let's talk about college football. And a lot of interesting interesting storylines, at least I have at least two in my head, possibly three. But, you know, I think the Big Ten coming back, making their statements, and the SEC doing their thing, and, and the number one team in the country struggling, but we'll get into that. But other than that, uh, Chris, give us your thoughts on the weekend in college football. Uh, so, you know what? Some interesting games. I remember last week I kind of talked about it. It was one of the more boring weeks. Uh, I definitely think this go-around this week was a, a, a little bit more of exciting. Uh, you know, first and foremost, one of the games that caught my eye was the Georgia-Kentucky game. Um, I got some questions on Georgia. They, 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 they only managed to put up 14 points against uh, a noticeably struggling uh, Kentucky team uh, that's two and four. Uh, you know, uh, Stetson Bennett went nine for 13, 131 yards with two interceptions. They did good on the ground with Zamir White. He got 26 carries for 136 and, and one and one touch. And then uh, Bennett ran one in for himself to, to get their second touchdown. Um, I, I, I'm real curious to see if this was a hiccup. You know, they, they arguably have the most important game of the season next week against our Gators. And if they go into the game with that type of attitude, it's going to uh, someone's going to have to call the ASPCA because there's going to be some there's going to be some bulldogs receiving an ass whooping. Um, not that we condone that on the show, but when they're from Georgia, we make exceptions. Um, you know, some other intriguing games, like you said, uh, you know, the big 10, you know, is back in town. Um, you know, Ohio state played Penn state naturally, you know, uh, Penn state's one of those teams. I just, I think they're significantly, well, the majority of the big 10 is significantly overrated. Um, granted, yes, Justin Fields did look good. He went 28 for 34, 318 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, against a very struggling Penn State team, I honestly think, and again, equivalent it to if you lined up a varsity team from a high school and made them play peewee teams from the city league all year, well, you, you know the outcome of that. Uh, the typical, you know, shootouts uh, in the Big 12, you look at uh, uh, Texas and Oklahoma State. Uh, I think Texas got a very important win. Uh, Last week, you know, they're four and two Oklahoma State's four and one. But the whole Red River uh, situation there, uh, I and I just also think this is one of those games that in order for Texas to, to be taken seriously in the Big 12. I think they had to they had to win this game. So, you know, uh, hats off to the Longhorns. 
Um, you know, they, they put up some pretty good numbers. They ended up squeaking it in overtime. Um, they got off to a little bit of a slow start in the first half, and then, the, you know, then they kind of, uh, uh, you know, chucked it along and, and started playing some defense. And they held, it, they held out and, uh, you know, caught the dub off uh, uh, Oklahoma State. Alabama, I don't know how Nick Satan does it. I, I, I honestly, I, I, I don't know. This man could have his entire team go to the NFL draft and then the next season just come back with a, a just as good team, if not better. Uh, they played uh, Mississippi State. They're 6-0. and Mississippi State's 1-4. and Ironically, Mississippi State's only win was against LSU. Um, but, you know, uh, just Alabama, just they're, they're, they're robotic. I mean, they're, they're, they're 100% robotic. Mac Jones looked damn sharp, 24 for 31, 291 yards and four touchdowns. Um, you know, the key to a lot of quarterback success, I don't give a shit whether it's the, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the SEC, and the NFL – the key to quarterback success is like we've always talked about is the mental aspect of it. And Mac Jones plays, he's very cerebral at the line, assessing the defense, making the calls at the line to prevent him from eating the dirt. And then on top of that, most importantly, he's not turning the ball over. Uh, uh, his, his, I don't, I don't have the notes right in front of me, but I know his TD to, to interception ratio is awfully low. Uh, Kyle Trask type low. And Alabama is the typical powerhouse that they are year in and year out. Um, A&M squeaked a victory off of, uh, uh, off of Arkansas over the weekend. That was a very hard-fought game. Same thing with Felipe Franks. He matured so much this season. I, I honestly, and, and, and not to bash him, I didn't expect him to play as well as he is right now, post-ankle injury. Number one, you know, those types of injuries, uh, they're nasty. They're ugly. They affect your mobility, you know, uh, and all sorts sorts of things. And he was able to recover and grow. And he's playing at so much more of an intelligent level than he did when he was at Florida. And maybe it's a system. Maybe it's just a, a... a partial time under Dan Mullen kind of opened the door. And then the Razorbacks coach has been able to, to push the door open fully and, and develop him. I, I definitely could see him with the potentiality of playing on a Sunday. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll get stuck on my, on my jets. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> um, but I'm happy to see him mature. You know, one of the most important things that he has done, he ha- he's not turning the ball over. Uh, he went 23 for 31, 239 with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. And then also another 91 yards rushing. You know, that that's for, for being a big guy. I, that's one thing I think that that attracted us so much to Franks when he was on the Gators is he was just so big for a quarterback. It, it was very Tim Tebow like it, it was like a tight end with an arm that if he needed to tuck in and run the son of a bitch was going to bowl through you. Uh, you know, Rakeem Boyd had 100 rushing yards, and that's their their starting tailback. And and Franks had 91. Uh, you know, I mean, that speaks volumes right there. So I'm happy to see him develop. However, it still wasn't enough to, to get the dub. Uh, uh, the Aggies have just been playing some serious ball. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's got a good program there, so hats off to them. Um, 
for some godforsaken reason, Cincinnati's ranked number six. I don't know how. Um, I, 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 that it still behooves me. Um, you look at their schedule and you, you kind of scratch your head. They've only played Army, SMU, USF, uh, Austin P, PV, or something like that. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, they, they haven't played anyone of real relevance, but somehow they're ranked number six for beating up a bunch of community colleges. So I'm sure if they win another couple games, they'll they'll announce themselves the uh, the pretend national champions like their uh, sisters in, at UCF did. Uh, finishing out the SEC, LSU had a very disappointing loss once again to uh, uh, to Auburn. That was a rough one, uh, uh, 48 to 11. That's that borderline massacre. Uh, you know, Bo Nix came out swinging, you know, uh, 18 for 24, 300 yards and three TDs. Can't ask for a, a better day on a, on a quarterback. Uh, you know, Auburn is, is definitely climbing their way back in the ring. LSU is a forgotten memory of the past. Uh, you know, you can definitely tell that Joe Burrow and the other 8,000 members that went into the draft of uh, of LSU's team last year, you can definitely tell they're not there, and uh, it's it's starting to show. Uh, and then last but not least, you know, to finish off with our Gators, we had a very impressive play against uh, uh, Mizzou. You know, Kyle Trask, he went, you know, 21 for 36, 345 yards, four touchdowns and an interception. Uh, you, you can't ask. You can't ask more for that. And then on top of that, he had he led in in rushing that game. Uh, you know he had forty seven yards. Uh, uh, Damian Pierce, Naquan Wright, uh, they couldn't turn it on. Uh, you know Kadarius Tony really couldn't either. He did find the end zone though, uh, so that does make up for the lack of yardage. And then of course Kyle Pitts led receiving with uh, with five catches for eighty one yards. And then Kadarius Tony had four for sixty. With two touchdowns, and then uh, Trayvon Grimes went thirty for uh, three for thirty-three with one snag, uh, and then of course Justin Shorter, our, our transfer, uh, went one one for two uh, with a uh, with one TD. Uh, you know, defense they they looked a little bit more awake. Uh, I think we had three sacks that game, so that's three more than we had in previous games. Um, Maybe the time off is what we needed for uh, for Todd Grantham to to kind of figure out the sit rep on defense, um, but we'll see. You know, Saturday we've got the uh, uh, the world's largest cocktail party coming upon us. Uh, you know, we're, we'll be playing Georgia, and I think this is going to be a, a th- this game. I think is going to lay the map out for the rest of the of of the SEC. Um, so naturally. I think we can, me and you can simultaneously agree that Alabama won't have any any contest in the SEC West this year. I, I think we can agree on that, right? Yeah, I think that's that's much more than fair. Yeah, uh, LSU has fallen off the train. The only one I see actually given, uh, you know, some some potential issue would would be Texas A and M, but yeah, I think that that ship has set sailed. Um, I would have to look at Alabama's schedule to see if they might have any of those trap games. But I think right now this is going to set the SEC title game um, definitely for uh, for the set. I, I don't I don't see Alabama losing the rest of the season. Like I said, I'd have to circle back and check their schedule. But you look at Florida's schedule, uh, this is the hardest game we have for the rest of the season. We've got Georgia, 
Uh, and I, I feel very confident about that. Then we've got Arkansas, Vandy, Kentucky, Tennessee, and uh, and LSU to wrap it up. So I think that the odds are forever in our favor. Um, we definitely could be a one-loss team going to the SEC championship. And to be honest with you, if our defense can adjust and fix itself by the time that happens, I, I you know, and I know it sounds biased because, you know, I'm a Florida guy and blah, 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 blah. I truly see us giving a whole hassle of, of trouble to Alabama. If we can play defense and and keep Mac Jones under control, and if we can put points on the board, I think Florida's problem up until this year uh, up until week four of last year is for the longest time we we couldn't put points on the board. When we had Felipe Franks, our defense was arguably a top five defense in the country. Even even as much as Kirk Herbstreit hates the SEC and specifically Florida, he complimented our defense week in and week out, saying that we are the most dangerous, one of the most dangerous ones on the field. Um, but we couldn't put points up. When we went on our quarterback carousel with Driscoll and Trayon Harris and 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 just the the unnamed ones, uh, Will Greer and those guys, we we had an, an, an immaculate defense that would just shut people down. If you remember, we played LSU a couple of years ago and shut them down on a fourth and one goal line stop that if they would have scored, they would have won the game, and they left on the clock. Very Madden. Friday night lights, you know, Coach Carter, Denzel Washington, here come the Titans, remember the Titans moment, and we stopped them. But the problem was all those years, we couldn't put damn points on the board. Now with Kyle Trask and and the second coming of Christ on our offense, uh, we're able to put a lot of points on the board. You know, we're I, I don't know our, our season average, so off the top of my head, but I mean, we're we're looking. You know, the lowest I think we've put up all season is. Uh, well, let's 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 take a gander here. Um, Thirty-eight is our lowest score. Granted, we've only played four games because of COVID, but that, 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 there's teams I maybe not have put up thirty-eight points total this season. Um, you know, so I I definitely think that there's. Uh, some some excitement brewing in Gainesville, and I definitely think that there is potential. We beat Georgia, which I, I'm fairly confident we will. I think we're going to be in for uh, a, a very exciting season going into the postseason, going into the SEC championship and potentially the playoffs. Um, and then the question is, you know, potentially if we lose to Alabama, do we still deserve a playoff spot? You know, uh, hashtag to be continued, as the hipsters would say. But uh, that's that's my circle on uh, on college ball. I know you wanted to snag a game or two. Uh, you know, I, I'll I'll start with you in Florida real quick, and I'll circle the wagons per se. I think Chris with Florida going into that Georgia game, I have two keys to the game. I think our defense has to stop Georgia's running game because you mentioned Stetson Bennett, Chris. Going into this year, you correct me if I'm wrong. Georgia had three very they had been like a, a three-way quarterback battle yeah and 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 they settled on Stetson I think the season started with Jamie Newman then they had I think they had JT Daniels and then now you're at Stetson Bennett I think Chris it goes back to the old adage I've always believed you know how much I love the quarterback position Chris if you don't have if you have three quarter Chris you don't have they don't have a quarterback and and I'm not trying to demean Kentucky but it's still Kentucky. 
no disrespect. The reality is, Chris, is that if Florida's defense can find a way to shut down their run game, we have a shot. And on the other end of the ball, if Kyle Trask can find Kyle Pitts, because I can't think of anybody on Georgia's defense in that linebacking core that can compete with Kyle Pitts. Literally nobody can. If you're looking at a if you're looking at a guy who's gonna win the Mackey Award for best tight end, it's Kyle Pitts. He's the best tight end in the country. I think we can I think you and I and pretty much who has a set of eyeballs can agree on that. So that's those are my keys to the game. I think Georgia last time I saw the spread was favored by three. And that's simply because Chris, our defense is not to the same level as you mentioned under the Muschamp years. Under the Muschamp years, we had a very good defense. But when guys like Trayon Harris a guy who was converted from receiver to quarterback, that's never a good sign. But now we have the offense. Now if we can get that defense to play as half as great as that offense, Chris. I don't believe it's hyperbole to say that we can easily be a top four team and easily be in the playoff. If we can get the more we got to get through Alabama. And speaking of Alabama, Chris, the biggest concern I had about Alabama was how can they replace arguably one of the best return players in the country, one of the best receivers in the country, and and Waddle and Jalen Waddle, and Chris, they went out and shut out Mississippi State. And you like Chris, I'm gonna give you. I know what you love. So I'm gonna give you a good stat, Chris, for you. One of the Devontae Smith, arguably a guy who's gonna play on Sundays, like literally every other Alabama has been under Nick Saban. It seems, Chris, he had 11 receptions, 203 yards, and four touchdowns. Now, Chris, that alone, he had more yards receiving than Mississippi State had a total offense. He had a – Devontae Smith alone had more offense than the entire Mississippi State Bulldog offense by himself. Jesus. Mississippi State only had 200 yards of total offense. They had three turnovers. You can't turn over the ball against Alabama. And they only had 12 first downs. Game was pretty much over. And by the way, what Devontae Smith did, it was the second time – He's in the second time of his career, he's at 200 yard receiving game with four receiving touchdowns. The last time he did it, Chris, was against Old Miss last year. So, him in the state of Mississippi, I don't know what the beef is, Chris, but he, he likes playing Mrs. teams that play in Mississippi. So, I look at their schedule, they don't play Southern Miss. So, <laughs> so we may not see another 200 yard receiving game this year, but he's still going to play great. And I want to jump back to speaking of this since we're in the top of the rankings, Chris. I want to talk about I saw the Boston College Clemson game. And they didn't have Trevor Lawrence. Oh, I yeah, you know what? I had notes on that. I I skipped right over that. I'll I'll, I'll let you can't uh, capitalize this one. I'll uh I'll follow suit because I had a couple things I wanted to jump on. And I I think, Chris, what we learned about Clemson. Clemson is bigger than Trevor Lawrence. When I think people have to understand, Chris, Clemson was great before Trevor. I'm not trying to knock Trevor Lawrence whatsoever. I want to be clear. But what you saw, and I, I went on Twitter and I went and said that, listen, you know who need to, you need to respect Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne, Chris, he had 20 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown, but he also had seven receptions, 140 yards, and a touchdown. That second half, Boston College dominated the first half. And then Clemson remembered they were the number one team in the country and said, wait a minute, this is Boston College. And they came back, and their quarterback, Chris, I'll let you pronounce the, the Clemson's quarterback's name because I know how much you love <laughs> and I know how much you love, you know, the, you know, spelling bees and stuff. So 
But listen, 30 of 41, 342 yards, two touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Chris, listen, for Boston College, they didn't score in the second half. And against Clemson, Chris, it's like what I say, Chris, if you're in a match against uh, and you're and you're the underdog, Chris, and you listen, you gotta do all the right things. Everything has to fall into place. And the one thing Boston College did not do, Chris, they in the second half, they did nothing. They essentially let Clemson get down on them on that side of the field. And like I say, and what we also learned, Chris, Clemson's defense. We learned a lot about Clemson because Clemson, oh, there's another big game. They have to go to South Bend and play Notre Dame. And people are like, oh, would you still favor? I, Chris, I still will pick Clemson to win that football game. Simply because Dabo Swinney will get those guys ready. It's no disrespect to Notre Dame. But, Chris, this is what good teams do. You learn about teams, Chris, and it's, and it's, a, it's a lot applicable to life. Chris, you learn a lot about yourself, not when you're up, but when you're down. And what we learned about Clemson is that when they were down, Chris, we learned the fortitude, the mental fortitude of this team. And they pulled it together, Chris, and they won this game. And like, hats off to Jeff Halfley and Boston College, Chris. They gave it their best shot. But listen, when you got the champs with the rope, you got to hit that knockout punch, and they didn't. And they didn't. So before I go on to uh, another game, I know you wanted to, to jump in on the, yeah. the uh, Clemson game. I, uh, it, it's like you said, I was actually going to use a very similar analogy. Um, you know, uh, halftime going in, it was 28-13. And I, uh, I was watching a little bit of the game. I'm not going to lie. It was Halloween. I may have been consuming some... Uh, lovely beverages that put put me in a in an altered state but you know we won't uh you know we won't talk about those um so we'll, watch- we'll, we'll say we'll, we'll say pumpkin spice for the yeah yeah oh no no i'm not a, i'm not basic it wasn't pumpkin spice it was uh it was it was very tequila flavored um tequila pair of pumpkin spice folks yeah 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 it was very it was very uh very patron <laughs> flavored um <laughs> But, you know, I, I was watching this, and I was like, oh, shit. I was like, is, is this going to be like the Indianapolis Colts when Peyton Manning went out and just they shit the bed? And uh, halftime came out, and, and Dabo Sweeney said, no, we no, won't lose, can't lose. We're, we're going to win this game. And it's like the, the tenacity that, that Clemson has. I know I rag on the ACC a lot, but, you know, one team I don't, pick on is Clemson. Clemson has earned my respect. They 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 went out, they play tough games, and they win the tough games, you know. Uh they, they you know, they've they've got themselves a couple uh, playoff titles and, and national titles, and I'll never take the respect away. And Dabo Sweeney is, is just as crafty as 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 Nick Satan is. And you know, sometimes when life gives you lemons, you gotta strangle the son of a bitches and make yourself some uh, some lemonade. Um and and that's what what Dabo did, and then same thing going into next week against uh, uh, Notre Dame. You say no disrespect, I say disrespect. Notre Dame is overrated. Clemson will will have no, I, I I Clemson will beat them. I I you know I mean if I was a betting man, I'd probably slide some coin on it, but I'm really not when it comes to sports. But uh, you know. Clemson's a complete team, offense, defense, special teams. It's more than Trevor Lawrence. It's more than Sunshine. And uh, 
you you look at the way that their quarterback you know played uh, DJ Ogi on yeah I, you know Ugalele I think is I I don't know we'll we'll, we'll just call him uh, DJU uh, the way that DJU was playing uh, you know I know I butchered that one um, you know the way that he was playing was just phenomenal and uh, you know it, it, it's like Florida Felipe Franks went out. And and Kyle Trask, it was his time to shine, and and he shined bright like a diamond, in the words of Rihanna. Uh, and, you know, and then and then problem number two is like you said, you got the person on the ropes or against the cage, you keep punching them until until the referee tells you to stop. And and I think if Boston College did that, I think they could have won if they would have played with the same intensity that they 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 played first half ball. And that was it. Unfortunately, football is a sixty-minute sport, not a not a thirty-minute, and they they definitely found that out in the in in a very harsh way. But uh, so yeah, kudos to Clemson, man. I'm I'm curious to see what's happened this week. I'm rooting for them. I will literally root against. I would root for Florida State against Notre Dame. That's how much I dislike Notre Dame. I think they're just over. They're 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 um, they're as obnoxious as Ohio State, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, that's been Chris. The, yeah, yeah, and to think all these years, I thought Chris was, uh, I thought he liked Notre Dame. What do I know? But, but you know, speaking of staying on overrated, Chris, I'll, 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 I'll see your Notre Dame, Chris, and I'll raise you Michigan. <laughs> yes. Here's the thing, Chris. I think, I think I read on Michigan a lot of times on this show. I think. Me and Michigan, Ohio State, I think both of them can mutually agree that they don't like me. Yeah, if it was an election, I wouldn't win those states. It's, but anywho, Chris, they faced a Michigan State team that lost to Rutgers. No disrespect to Rutgers, Chris. But here's what happened to Michigan. Michigan State's quarterback, Rocky Lombardi, part of the most football name I've ever heard in my life. 17-32, 323 yards, three touchdowns. Now, Chris, I don't want you to focus on the 17 or 32, Chris. It's the yardage, and I'll, and I'll explain to you why in a minute. Now, first-year coach Mel Tucker, he came from Colorado. He came from Colorado to East Lansing. Chris, he became Michigan State coach to beat Michigan in his first year. Chris, can you name the first coach that did it? And you know who it is. Oh, God, I, you know, I got, hold, let me, let me think, repeat the question. I, I have, I have, I'm having one of those brain farts. So Mel Tucker became the second coach, became the second coach in his first year of Michigan State to beat Michigan in, in his first year. Can you name the first coach they did? Yeah, uh, Urban Meyer. Or Michigan State, I'm sorry. Nick State. Brain fart. Nick State, yes, I'm sorry. I was, Nick I was State. thinking that, but somehow I... Uh, Damn Ohio State's still on my mind. Yeah. yeah isn't it, though, Georgia's on people's minds? Ohio State's on them. But, but so Mel Tucker, and ironically, Mel Tucker worked for Nick Saban mm-hmm. as an assistant. So it's, I, I don't call that, you know, causation, correlation, however you feel. But I'm going back to Michigan, Chris. And remember I told you to focus on the yardage yeah. of Rocky Lombardi? That defense allowed five plays. Michigan's defense of 30 or more yards passing. That secondary, Chris, ain't good. 
And Chris, I could argue it wasn't that good last year. And I, and I double down on Jim Harbaugh. I think we've talked about this, but I need to emphasize this, Chris. Jim Harbaugh versus Michigan State versus Ohio State, Chris, he's three and eight. He's three and eight. He's three and three versus Michigan State. He hasn't beaten Ohio State in five years. And I don't see him beating him this year. Ah. So, Chris, so Chris, my question is, before we, my, my question is simply this. I don't know what they're going to take from Michigan fans, from Michigan, to, to, for people to see. This is not it. I get he went to your school. I get he's an alumni. But at some point, Chris, I'll give you an analogy. If Tim Tebow coached the Florida Gators and he went 0-5 against FSU, Chris, I'd call for his job too. And we both like Tim Tebow. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Chris, like I yeah. said about Jeremy, yeah, and like I said about Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee, Philip Fulmer told essentially judges he judges Jeremy Pruitt by beating either you have to beat Alabama, Georgia, and Florida, and Jeremy Pruitt hasn't done that either. So the point is, Chris, you can have a so-so season, but if you can beat a rival, it goes a long way. But this man cannot beat Ohio State. And listen, the last two coaches that, listen, Brady Hope couldn't beat him. Rich Rodriguez couldn't. The last coach that could actually beat Ohio State was quite possibly Lloyd Carr, Chris. And that was almost, that's almost what, 15 years, Chris? We, 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 this is, I don't, if you're listening in Michigan, thanks for listening. But let's be clear Jim Harbaugh does not want to be in Michigan. I've said it once and I'll say it again. Jim Harbaugh could recruit any kid in the country once because he has NFL credentials. He can tell guys, I know what it takes to get to that next level, Chris. But the reality is, Jim Harbaugh took the job because, hey, it's Michigan. And I think Michigan has to detach itself from Jim Harbaugh, what he did for your program as a player, and, and separate from the fact of what he's doing to your program as a coach. Because those are two separate, two separate careers, two separate timelines. Because this year, Chris, He's going to go 0 6 against Ohio State. I guarantee you, I can, I can guarantee you right now the spread's going to probably be at least double digits. Ohio State's going to cover, and Jim Harbaugh needs to be out of a job. Period. Because I don't know what else. It's like, I, I think I've said that many times. And I'm like, this is why. This man cannot win when it counts. You got, like, listen, don't worry about the money. I say, remember when. Before, listen, remember when Charlie was at Notre Dame? And remember when Notre Dame was bad? Listen, Notre Dame went two and nine bad, and they still kept, and they still kept Charlie Weiss. And it took Brian Kelly to kind of rebuild that garbage to, to get them to where they're at. And Chris, I'm telling you right now, if you don't cut cords with Jim Harbaugh, I understand, you know, COVID season, all that, Chris. You got to let him go because I, I don't see a path for this man beating Ohio State unless Justin Fields decides to just stop playing football and Ohio State says, you know what, we're good and we're going to pack our bags and go play in the Pac-12, Chris. There's no way. There's no way Michigan is being Ohio State. You can mark it. You can book it because it's not happening. You know what? So I... that's a 
I, I definitely won't disagree with any of that. It, it's like I talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, the unfortunate loss we took against A&M. That win for Jimbo essentially kept him employed uh, long term. I, you know, Jimbo yeah. had a problem at A&M. He just wasn't beating ranked teams, top-ranked top teams. He needed that dub to keep him relevant and to keep his job safe, and he got it, unfortunately. You know, um, but it's the same sit rep with uh, with Harborough here. Uh, maybe, you know, some, some guys do better in the NFL than they do in college, and some do better in college than they do in NFL, and he's, he's not a college quarterback. You got to beat your rivals. You have to win your divisions. You know, you can't win at all. You know, everyone, you know, uh, you know, it's it, like, you know, being uh, 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 a, a Yankees fan, a Celtics fan, a Lakers fan, um, you're so used to your team doing good. You get so mad when they don't make the postseason or they don't win the important games. And then, of course, the other fan bases will bust your ball. Oh, you're the fucking Yankees or the the, the Celtics or the Lakers or whoever. You know, uh, you've, you've got to do it. And, and the Big Ten, Michigan is supposed to be this big prime powerhouse. And they've got the powerhouse output of uh, a, a, a potato and water with some toothpicks in it, maybe turning a light bulb on, you know. Uh, yeah. they, they, they got to get their shit together, Harborough included. And if they need to make it, you know, sometimes you gotta, uh, you gotta lop the, the top of the fat off at the, at, at, you know, at, as the coach and start from scratch. And maybe that's what they need. Yeah. And, 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 and to put a bow on, on college football, I'll just say this, Chris. And I think I said a lot of, I think I've said this before as well. And I apologize if I did, but I think it's worth repeating. And I asked the question to every fan base who's listening, what are your expectations for your team? Because, Chris, there's two, you have to be realistic about your expectations. And, Chris, you got to be honest about your expectations. Like, you can't, what gets me with Michigan is, I don't feel it's not that hard. And this is just my opinion. To to have a season where you can win, you know, pre-COVID, mind you, pre-COVID to have nine, ten win seasons in Michigan. I don't feel that's terrible. Expect- Those are reasonable expectations to me because of a, the division they're playing in the Big Ten. And and most importantly, Chris, because Jim Harbaugh knows how to coach. And when you and they say, keep those expectations, and when you start falling short of that, and I feel he has, then you got to call for his job because – we sit here and talk, and I said last, I think I said last week, look, Chris, like, listen, I could argue Gus Malzahn that win Saturday saved his job. He had to beat LSU. Because remember, I said, look, your job is tied to that quarterback. Bo Nix played out of his mind. In fact, Bo Nix argued with the offensive coordinator, Chad Morris, and all of a sudden, Auburn ran through walls and, and knocked the, the stripes off those Tigers of LSU. The reality is, Chris, we have to be honest about expectations, not only just in football, but in life. Because if you don't, you're going to fail yourself and, and you're going to fail others because you're not being honest with yourself. Michigan fans need to be honest, Chris. Jim Harbaugh is not it. He's the big name, but I just feel that, listen, he just he needs, he needs wants to, he wants a job in the NFL. 
just like you saw what Nick Saban did when that job in Tuscaloosa opened, Chris, you saw he left Miami and went right to Tuscaloosa because he knew he belonged in college. Doesn't make Nick Saban less of a coach, Chris. He knew that his style, his philosophy was suited for college. And I say the reality is, Chris, Jim Harbaugh is the reciprocal of that. He needs to get out of Ann Arbor and go to the NFL. Maybe, Chris, settle settle as the offensive coordinator. I don't know if that's beneath Jim Harbaugh, but he needs to be back in the pros, period. Because this Michigan thing ain't it. It's, it's, it, it doesn't, and I tell people, just like, you know, Taylor Swift said, you know, as a Michigan fan, you need to calm down and come down off that, you know, hey, we were like, no, if you can't beat Ohio State, you got no business talking, period. Your basketball program, tie your host to Jawan Howard. I guarantee you Michigan basketball will win a national title before Michigan football will. Because I trust Jawan Howard as a coach, as opposed to trusting Jim, Jim Harbaugh as your coach. But speaking of pros, Chris, before someone from Ann Arbor comes down here and comes to my home, let's talk to the let's let's go to the pros. And Chris, we learned a lot about a couple of teams. We learned a lot about a team that listen. The season's probably over for them. We learned a lot. But, Chris, I also think that one team, I think, well, actually two teams, I think are just, you know, I just think they're done. But but more importantly, you know, how can I put this? I think one division got a lot closer than most experts think. But we'll get to that when we get there. But so, Chris, give us your thoughts on week nine as we head into week uh, before we transition to week nine. Give us your thoughts on week eight. You know, uh, like you said, we uh, we saw some teams have some fight left in them, and we saw some teams you expected how the game was going to go. And, uh, you know, it's just it, – it's such a unique uh, place that we're, all, that we're all sitting in right now. This week in football was, was uniquely terrifying, to say the least. Um, so you've got – you know, starting off on Thursday, the Falcons and Panthers game, that was just, that was a damn good game. Um, you know, top up to top down. Granted, both teams are, are sub 500. Um, you know, I'm happy to see Atlanta, you know, they, they fired, uh, uh, you know, Quinn and they're, they're two and one without him. So that, that speaks volume in itself. They should have won against Detroit, but we won't talk about it. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, Matty Ice did have a problem finding the end zone once again. That seems to be his trouble all season. And it, the, ironically enough, when Matt Ryan downs, they've not, they haven't won a game. So I'll, uh, I'll just let that one, you know, kind of marinate for a little bit. Um, but I mean, you know, Brian Hill came out swinging, you know, he had, uh, uh, 55 yards on the ground. Julio definitely came back with authority with 137 yards. Uh, Calvin Ridley didn't do too hot. He went out, you know, a little early. Uh, you know, he, he went three and 42. Uh, you know, then on the other side of the ball, the Panthers, you know, Teddy Bridgewater went out there and, and played his little heart out, you know, threw for 176 yards, rushed for 30. Uh, he went 1-1, one touchdown, one interception. 
he, he did spread the ball around a lot. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Samuel. Um, I, I definitely think that the tide will change with Carolina this week. Uh, my Lord and Savior, Christian McCaffrey, is finally coming back. Uh, so I actually stand a snowball's chance in hell for the rest of my fantasy in, in one of my leagues. Uh, we'll get to that there in a little bit. Um, but you know, that, that was just a great start that, that was, that was just a good old fashioned fight from kickoff to close. Uh, somehow, I don't know what happened in green Bay, but, uh, the Vikings came and pillaged, uh, the old cheese heads to, to put it mildly, uh, by the hand of, uh, <laughs> this guy named Dalvin cook rushing for three touchdowns and 163 yards. I mean, he, uh, he couldn't be capped out of the end zone. Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins played decent. He only, he only went 11 for 14 because, well, the ground game was working. Uh, he threw for 160 yards and one touchdown, but he didn't turn the ball over, and that that's that's key to victory. Uh, even with Aaron Rodgers doing his thing, you know, gunslinging for three touchdowns, they, uh, they, they just, you know, you definitely saw without Aaron Jones being in, you saw what – what was going on? Uh, the the ground game was pretty much non-existent, and and Rogers was relying on his receivers. I mean, if if you look at the numbers, he threw to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different people caught a pass off of him in that game. Um, so it kind of shows that you take a dimension away that you know maybe Green Bay isn't as great as as we think they are, but I think that's the case in any team. If you take the ground assault away, it really hurts the pass. Um, you know, a, a couple other shockers. Um, you know, the Bengals beating Tennessee in the fashion that they did. That just left me staring at the at the TV screen, wondering how, why, and what position uh, that ended. Um, of course, uh, you know, the Dolphins and Rams game was a very intriguing one. That that one kind of threw me for a loop. Uh, the Broncos beating the Chargers. I definitely got that call wrong. Uh, cause I'm, I'm 99% sure I called the, the chargers on that dub. Uh, you know, the other one was the, the saints and bears game. Uh, definitely drew Brees. He, he didn't, he, he came back there. I, I definitely was looking at the, at the second half there and, you know, when Chicago, you know, they started kind of slinging back there at the end and put it into overtime. I was like, you know, I, I think old uh, old Nick Foles might have it in him to, to pull the upset here. And uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. And uh, they were able to kick that field goal in OT to give him the dub. But uh, that, that was a very exciting game to watch. Uh, and then the most intriguing one, I think, of, of, of them all was the, the Tampa and, and New York game. And... I, I don't know what it is. The The New York Giants must be Tom Brady's kryptonite because it seems like whatever uniform he wears, he has a hell of a time with that team. Um, you know, I mean, granted, he you know, he threw for 279 yards and two touchdowns, but, uh, you know, the defense wasn't exactly up to par, and they were letting uh, New York stay in the game, you know. I mean, granted uh, – you know, Daniel Jones went for 256 yards with two touchdowns, but he did, you know, cause two turnovers. You know, so Tampa did kind of defensively hang in there. But I, I definitely, I predicted Tampa to win, but not in, in the fashion they did. I, I predicted this game to go and be a blowout by, you know, 
14 to, to 21 points. Yeah, and, and the thing is, Chris, it, it, sh- it should have been that way. And I saw the game all the way through. And at the end of the game, there was, there was the, the two-point conversion. And Danny Dimes threw it. I can't recall the receiver. I want to say Dion Lewis came to the top of my head. But Antoine Whitfield Jr. was there, and it was like a, you know, like a bang-bang play. But there was no pass interference call. And, and if I were the ref, and this may not be the most popular opinion, Chris, but I agree with the refs, and here's why. Because when something, and you know how, ba- you know, it's like baseball, Chris. When something is bang-bang, you have to, you kind of trust the umpire's first judgment, if I'm not mistaken. You usually kind of have to go with the umpire. But especially when it comes to like balls and strikes and things like that, you know, there's replay for saves and outs now. But for a play like that, because guess what, Chris, you can't review pass interference anymore. You can't throw the flag for pass interference anymore. So the the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay got a, I'm not gonna say got away with one, but like Lee Corso said, it was closer than what the experts think. That game was super close, Chris. Oh, and son. And and when you talk about we talk about Daniel Jones, Chris, I don't know what it is about the NFC East and quarterbacks, Chris. I don't know what it is. Like if I told you, Chris, if I asked you who the best quarterback in the NFC East is, you wouldn't you wouldn't know. You would think that okay, no Dak, no you know you know you got Kyle Allen in Washington, Carson Wentz is being, and I'll get to that, and I'll get to that in a minute. Then you got Daniel Jones. So, Chris, you're thinking that maybe Daniel Jones could, could potentially be the best quarterback in that division. But, Chris, he turns over the ball way too much. He And I think he definitely has the same issue that, that Darnold has. And uh, Darnold could be an amazing quarterback if he didn't turn the ball over. And, you know, I, but see, sometimes with the turnovers, I wonder how much of that is player induced or uh, environment and circumstance induced? You know, with Darnold, yeah. we knew what we were getting when we drafted him. Him turning the ball over in USC was a known problem. Um, you know, with 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 the with Jones, I don't recall it when he was in college that that was an issue for him. But uh, I wonder if it has to do with circumstance because of look at who he's surrounded. It's not like he has an all-star cast around him. And when you, you're getting the ball snapped to you and you see a, a linebacker already in your face, there's really not a lot you can do at the end of the day. So, I, I like yeah, I said, it, I wonder the, the, the self-induced or the circumstance-induced. Well, you know, Chris, you, you bring up a good point, and and I'll I'll answer I'll I'll try to answer as best as I can. For Sam Darnold, Chris, I think those turnovers are a mix of I throw in coaching in that situation as well, Chris, because you have because the coach's job is to put the quarterback in the best position to perform. Oh, absolutely. As you and I both know, so I just feel a lot of times that for Sam Darnold, I just feel environment's a factor, but not as much as the coaching, Chris, because like I said on the, you know, and I'll double down on what I said, is that I thought coming out of college, I always thought Darn was the better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. I, I, you know, and I still stand by that. And people are like, oh, well, well, look at the records. I'm like, I I get, listen, you can't, Sam Darnold can't play linebacker, okay? 
He can't play strong safety. Okay. It's not on Sam Darnold. I know Sam Darnold's talented, but when you hire a guy in Adam Gates, who literally hasn't had a top 15 offense anywhere he's been as a head coach, he gets a job. His job is to mold a guy who the sky's the limit, and he and he blew it. He blew it. So a lot of that, Chris, I kind of put on – and it's not making excuses for Sam Darnold, but, Chris, I think a lot of that is putting him in a situation to succeed. Now, for, for Daniel Jones, Chris, this is a different situation. I felt bringing in Jason Garrett – he's a Jason Garrett has always been a very good coordinator. I think the problem with Daniel Jones, Chris, I think we have to start looking at Daniel Jones more simply because, Chris, when you look at some of the throws, you look at some of the mistakes, Chris, he didn't really have that problem at Duke. And I think it goes to your point of environment, Chris, because, listen, Chris, it's New York, and I talked about this, Chris, and, 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 I'll, and I'll tie into your point, Chris. When you talk about environment, when you get drafted, Chris, you know why I thought Sam Darnold was going to work in New York, Chris? Because he went to USC. Name USC's are one of the top three biggest names in all of college sports, Chris. He knows about pressure. He knows what it's like to put on a jersey and have expectations. And then, and then he also now he goes to a city with big expectations. Chris, you know where Daniel Jones went to school at, Chris? Yeah, wasn't it, wasn't it Duke? It was Duke. Not Duke basketball, not Coach K. David Cutcliffe. And I'm not trying to demagogue Duke in any capacity. But, but football, they're not a, a prominent school. And, and then on top of that, Duke isn't where it is in North Carolina, isn't exactly a booming metro center or a vacation destination like Southern California or New York City slash yeah. northern New Jersey. Yeah. So so you get where so you get where I'm going. Yeah, with oh yeah, I I read you. I read you. So I tell people, Daniel Jones can't does his personality fit in New York. And this ties into the point that Chris it's pressure. Like Daniel Jones tripped on national television for a touchdown. Like that's like like Forrest, listen, Forrest Gump never tripped and failed, just for the record. Forrest Gump had a big, you know, when Forrest Gump saw open field, Chris, it was a touchdown. He kept running. He just kept running and running and running. They had to put a stop force at the end of the end zone. So so I'll leave that little point there. But, Chris, it, it segues into me to talk about, speaking of Green Bay, I'll just hit on some points before we move to your fantasy. With Green Bay, Chris, you know, it, you know, I, I'll chalk that loss up to maybe they just got – listen, that Packers defense, Chris, is not good. And I, and I would think that Mike Pettin should have learned from that Tampa game and should have fixed some things defensively. But he, he let Dalvin Cook – Cook a a, a four course meal on that defense, even yeah. with an entree, dessert, everything. I think they had Dom Perignon. That's how that's what Dalvin Cook did to that defense. And to go back to Aaron Rodgers, Chris, and speaking of personality, Chris, Aaron Rodgers went to Cal. He's a he's he's a he's a California guy. If you you know you know the way he talks and the way he acts. Chris, you know, uh, he's the Hall of Fame. I think we both can agree on that. He's a Hall of Fame talent. 
when he went to Green Bay, we got to remember, he fell down the board. He fell down. He goes to Green Bay, goes to an ideal situation, Chris. And I just really feel where I'll defend Aaron Rodgers and saying they really haven't put talent around Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I argue, is kind of like the, the Russell Wilson of the Midwest. Talented quarterback, but you couldn't name, you know, you couldn't name the talent because of look what they had to deal with. And and yet, Chris, both of them guys won a Super Bowl. Yeah. So my my point is is that sometimes, Chris, you know, quarterback, you know, position, it's a science to me, to a certain degree. Personality, envi- as you mentioned, environment. Here's the thing, Chris. And this is, and, and I'll say it. You know, you you want to know why Green Bay drafted Jordan Love? And remember, I'm very, pr- I'm going to keep saying, it, I'm very proud of the fact that I got that right. I was super proud I, I got that right in our mock draft. Because I read the room, I wasn't there in Green Bay. Chris, I read the room all the way here in Florida, Chris. And it just felt that Aaron Rodgers did not feel respected there. And and drafting Jordan Love was the icing on that cake. My theory is, and I'm even though even though Green Bay could go out and be a potential Super Bowl team, Chris, I still believe that the Green Bay Packers will shop Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. Don't be shocked. Don't be shocked. Because there, when you draft a quarterback in the first round, Chris, it's not like the old days where you can sit him down for three years. No. You got Jordan Love, and you're paying Aaron Rodgers all this money. That defense looks horrendous. You get rid of Aaron Rodgers, Chris. You can maybe get a, a couple of draft picks. Yeah, maybe you, a start. Yeah, they- yeah, they're gonna have to do some uh, some rebuilding, to, to say the least, because they're definitely looking a little rough around the edges, to uh, to put it mildly. Yeah, and 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 that's why I said, and that's why I said they're gonna draft Jordan Love, because because Chris, everything that I read and saw about what Green Bay and Jordan Love, I said they're gonna take him if he's there, because it was more of an indictment of the fact that it's not so much that. Aaron Rodgers is third. He, he's pushing for it. I don't think he's going to have like that Tom Brady where he's going to play to like he's 60. I think Aaron Rodgers has a couple, maybe two, maybe three good years left, Chris. And I think he wants to waste him in an organization that he felt never respected. But yet he's done so much of the organization. He came in and followed Brett Favre. Not a lot of and, – and, and got a Super Bowl out of it. He felt disrespected. And I felt that I could see him going the situation into transition. Chris, I could see him going to one of two teams, either the Raiders, because I don't think the Raiders are completely sold on Derek Carr. And I think I could see him as a 49er, Chris, because what's the 49ers' biggest problem? It's quarterback. Yeah. Even before Jimmy G got hurt, and I said this, before Jimmy G got hurt, Chris, I never saw – He's the one problem. The defense was great. The run game was fantastic. But, Chris, he couldn't, as you know, as the you know, old-timey phrase, matriculate the ball down the field. <laughs> That's on Jimmy G. He, he, he couldn't matriculate the ball down the field. And, Chris, Aaron Rodgers, listen, you can make it work, Chris. I tell people, listen, Aaron Rodgers was initially, he thought that he was going to be drafted by the Niners. And they went with Alex Smith, which is a good story, by the way. Great. At that time, 
he genuinely thought that he was going to be a 49er, Chris. And I think what way to wrap up your career than to go back to a team that you wanted to always go to in the first place. And I believe if you put Aaron Rodgers on in the 49ers, not now, not in this current circumstance, obviously, but when everybody's healthy and full intact, Chris, I can argue it kind of bumps them up to kind of a Super Bowl-level team because for the first time in Aaron Rodgers' career, he'll have a defense and he'll have a he'll have a he'll have you know maybe the they'll improve the receiving core. I think Chris he'll get the Tom Brady treatment. I think he will. I think they'll they'll make it they'll make it comfortable for him to get talent. They'll make it for him so to push to win. That's no different than what Tampa Bay's doing right now. Because when they look what they look what Tampa did in the offseason, they went and got Gronk. They went out and got Antonio Brown, which the verdict is still out on. Tom Brady went and has six billion number one receivers. He has a great defense. He's gonna get that type of treatment because Aaron Rodgers deserves that. And Seattle finally realized that with Russell Wilson, who, by the way, he's now he's 14 and four against the 49ers, by the way. He's owned that division since he's played in that, since he had got, since he put on that helmet. And, and at the end of the day, Chris, I just feel that's what's going to happen. But to kind of, to, to go around the horn, you talked about the Bengals, Chris, if I'm not going to give it away, but for the podcast this week, I write an article of mid-season awards and i'm really conflicted about rookie of the year between justin Hurd and joe burr i'm not going to tell you which one i picked that's for you to read because let's just say this i'm very high on both but one of these guys i feel has the better long-term future so that's one of those you know tune in you know dragon ball z type situations as you always say (laughs) so you know, or, you know, tune in, you know, or more like Yu Yu Hakusho, you know, one, you know, the ones that follow Dragon Ball Z, whatever, whichever one, you know, kind of tagline you want at the end of that. But I, I want to, but listen, I can't, I'll be remiss, Chris, if I don't talk about the Cleveland Browns because it's in my contract to talk about. Them. So I put that as a writer in there. People didn't know that. Here's the thing, Chris 16 to 6. And people are like, oh, well, there's, they don't have OBJ. Chris, six points against the Raiders? You don't need OBJ. You don't even need OJ. You only still have six points, Chris? Here's the thing. The, that, that Cleveland defense gave up 209 yards, Chris. It's the third time that Oakland, well, excuse me, Las Vegas, don't want to get sued by a city of Oakland. The third time with a 200-yard rush game with the game since 2016, three times in four years, the Raiders run, run the 200 yards in a, in a game. Josh Jacobs had a game. David, listen, you know you, you want to know what Derek Hart, how many yards he threw, Chris? 111 yards. That's the fewest in the game he started and finished in his entire career. So he didn't have to do much. I keep saying this, Chris. The Cleveland Browns, I lump them in with the Chicago Bears, Chris, simply because you want to know why I lump them in, Chris? It's because think about this. When you look at the quarterback situation, if I ask you today, Chris, who do you think is the better quarterback, Nick Foles or if I say ask you who the better quarterback is, 
if I ask you, is it Nick Foles or Baker Mayfield? Who would you say it is right now? Who who would you take? See, I would I would say Nick Foles because he's won a Super Bowl. Okay. But, yeah. See, go ahead. But you know, at the same time, uh, you know, I mean, see that that that's a tough one to answer because you have, uh, uh, Baker Mayfield out there who's essentially making something out of out of nothing. I mean, he he's had some talent. And he's had some uh, some some people around him, you know, with with Landry and OBJ and Kareem Hunt, and and it, it's almost he has like the uh, the the outsiders or the the island of misfit toys from that little claymation uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer movie from the '60s or whatever that we grew up watching. Um, you know, Nick Foles has always had weapons. He had a great team in, in Philly. He's got a, 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 a modestly decent team in Chicago offensively. I mean, defensively, damn it, we know they're great. But, uh, you know, we have uh, all, all this other stuff, you know, building. And, you know, when when you sit back and and you, and you talk about it, and th- there are certain levels of expectation, I think that when you you sit down and and you watch and and you look at some of the situations like the Raiders and Browns, and and how do you? I mean, you know, both teams, you know, threw for less than 120 yards. Derek Carr threw for 112, and Baker Mayfield threw for for 122. Now, granted, Josh Jacobs definitely carried the rock uh, a significantly higher volume with 128 yards compared to Kareem Hunt led with only 66 yards. But, you know, with with the absence of OBJ, um, you know, uh, and and honestly, uh, you have people complaining about that. But you you wonder, like, you know, OBJ wasn't there in the beginning of the season. He definitely you know, has, has been on and off and more off than, uh, than normal. Uh, you know, up until recently, he's really been starting to get, uh, get used, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird situation there in Cleveland because they can play so well, but when they shit the bed, man, it stinks. Yeah. And, and, the th- and, and the thing is, Chris, is is that it, it's, it's a hard question to ask. It really is. But you know what you want to know why I asked the question is, is Chris, is that I do give Nick Foles the edge, but throughout is Chris watching that Saints Bears game. And late in that game, the Saints went forward twice on fourth down. And I don't think it was out of necessity, Chris. They sensed, you know, like Jaws when you like that, you know, like they sensed the boat. Like you saw that shark coming to that boat. The Saints was that shark and the Bears were the boat. And because they smelled fear, they smelled a sense of collapse. Because remember in that game, the receiver went and punched Chauncey Gardner Johnson in the in the helmet. And and Chris, I watched the game and I said, Well, the Bears are gonna lose. And the thing is, Chris, I understand why he did it, Chris, but not in the fourth, Chris, not when you're trying to win a football game. If you're up like 52-17. You know, that type of game, Chris, I get it. But the reality is, Chris, the Bears in that game, listen, they're 5-3. and three, And 
when you look at the Cleveland Browns, they're five and three. But you have to really go deep, dig deeper in the numbers, Chris, simply because, and I stand by this with Cleveland, I believe there's a reason why, and, I, and I'll say it every week, you know, when it's necessary, there's a reason why they went and signed Case Keenum, because Case Keenum has familiarity with Kevin Stefanski, the head coach. And the biggest question mark, what was the biggest question mark going into the season was, Baker Mayfield, do you want to pay Baker Mayfield that type of money? Do you want to pay him? And right now, when you're 30th in passing, Chris, do you want to pay a guy's 30th in passing, or do you want to take a guy in Case Keenum? You know, kind of see where you go, or try to make a move to get a quarterback in this draft. Because, and I think Chicago's in the same boat. Because, Chris, I just don't think Nick Foles is the answer. But I can defend Nick Foles, Chris, because that offensive line is terrible. The offensive line is not great because, and I'll, and I'll let you hit on that in fantasy in a minute, about with David Montgomery because he's on my team. So you can call that, you know, podcasting nepotism, I guess. But, you know, that offensive line for Chicago is not great. So they can't really run the ball. They really can't do anything. Chris, that's not the problem in Cleveland. Kareem Hunt, you know, those Chris, it's Baker Mayfield. Like, and at some point, how does it make a difference whether you had OBJ or not? I don't think it does. But but to wrap up my point in transition, you know, listen, if you're at the Chargers right now, I feel you. Because, listen, you blew a lead like my Falcons. So I, I can relate when I watch that game. And And I'll say this. If you're Anthony Lynn, I like him as a head coach, Chris. But I think it's fair to put Anthony Lynn on the hot seat. And I understand people may say, oh, I'm not saying you fire him, Chris. But if it makes any sense, Chris, look at their record. Is that the expectation that you had going into the season? Even with Tyrod Taylor, even though he's out, Chris, that team wasn't necessarily built around Tyrod Taylor, if that makes any sense. That team was kind of built around playing a you know, strong defense. You Austin Eckler, great run game. You got great, you got Mike Williams, you got Keenan Allen, Chris, and don't sleep on Jalen Guyton also at receiver. You got Hunter Henry, Chris. I'm not saying you fire Anthony Lynn, Chris, but if Dan Quinn got fired for, for losing close games, you know, Dan Quinn could at least say he went to a Super Bowl. This, this Charger team hasn't gotten close to a Super Bowl, Chris. So, and listen, I'm not going to knock, you know, Derek's Broncos because he's probably... You probably, if you heard a loud noise, you know, somewhere in the world, it was probably, it was probably Derek. But, <laughs> but if you, but so, you know, I, I'll leave it at that. And, and speaking of things that are, you know, relatable, I think, Chris, a lot of people, you know, obviously from a fantasy perspective, or, you know, listen, COVID hit again this week for a lot of players, and for a lot of, especially one team in particular. And I'll let you hit on that. But so more importantly, Chris, I'll just jump right to it. Give us your thoughts first on what's going on with with the COVID and your thoughts on starting cinema and players, waiver wires, what moves should be made. And, there, and you know, with contenders as well. So it's not just for teams who are out of it, Chris. Their teams are continuing trying to win a championship in fantasy. And there's some of their best players are getting knocked out. So give us your thoughts for starting cinema this week. Man, uh you know, I, uh, I, I had to make an, uh, a very unfortunate decision um, last week. So I'm, I'm in two leagues. I run mine that I'm in a, in a buddy of mine's league. And uh, I started off 
on fire in this league. Uh, I went from three and zero, where I couldn't even be touched, to I'm now three and five, and I've been touched worse than a small child on the stage with Joe Biden. Uh, I I had to make the unfortunate call to to get on the the one MC and uh, evacuate the ship. And, and and to abandon all hope and get out. Uh, so I, I, I've been fire selling my team and preparing for next year. I had to make that choice. You, you, you know, if, if, if you want to win at fantasy football, it's like a lot of it is like playing pool. You can't worry about just the shot you're trying to make. You've got to position the cue ball to, to continuously land. And you got to plan four and five shots out ahead or like chess or, or like anything. Um, you, you've got, I, I looked at my schedule. I said, you know what? Statistically, uh, I'm at the bottom of my division. I've got the most divisional losses and I, I don't have enough in me to, to win out because of bye weeks and, and things like that. I've, you know, I've got another, at least one more guaranteed loss, which would already statistically eliminate me. And like I touched on last week is with, with trade deadlines approaching, you have to make your moves. And uh, so if, if you're in the unfortunate position that I was in where you had to start abandoning ship, uh, you know, hey, man, say a prayer. God bless. It's like watching the Titanic go down. It's not fun to watch. Um, if you're in that that four and four position right now or the, the, the five and threes or if you're at the top of the leaderboard, you're safe. But, you know, you might have a, a later than normal uh, trade deadline. Uh, keep your eyeballs open and keep your ears open to uh, to the league. With COVID, there's just nothing safe at this point, man. Um, you know, you, I mean, you literally, this is probably the most attentive year of fantasy football I think I've ever played where I just every single day I'm looking at, at injury reports and this and that and people going under COVID protocols and inactive returns and uh, unable to perform and however they're classifying it. And it's, it's getting ugly, man, but going into week nine, uh, there's some, definitely some favorable matchups, some not so favorables and uh, so on and so forth. So I'll hit you through the offense quarterback through, uh, uh, through tight end and, and, and we'll cover the bases for you. So, of course, in the quarterback position, your regular starts, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson. If you don't know this by now, just go ahead and hang it up. Uh, some of your stronger starts. So, Josh Allen and the Bills are uh, taking a trip out to the West to go go play in Seattle. Uh, let's just face it, um, Seattle's defense is terrible. I think everyone can just agree on it at this point. And I think this is where Josh Allen might be able to snap out of that little funk he's been in. Expect him to make some gunning passes to Stephon Diggs and some guns to uh, uh, Cole Beasley and and really get that team up and up and moving like they were. They've still been winning games, but not in the prettiest of fashions. Um, another very strong start is going to be Justin Herbert going to the, uh, the Raiders. Uh, Herbert's been getting aggressive downfield. I mean, aggressive. Yeah, that man has been launching some one five five howitz arounds out of that arm of his. So uh, I think he's going to be a. So if you got him, you know, you should be in fair standings. Uh, Tom Brady against the uh, uh, the Saints. 
So he did start slowly against the Giants, and he also didn't do too hot, uh, you know, in week one. I think with no spring training or, or summer camp or preseason, and, uh, you know, Tom Brady was blessed to essentially have the same receivers for the better part of his career in, in New England with some minor changes here and there. Then he comes to a completely new program, new system, new offensive line, new receivers. And it took him a little while to get in stride, but I think he's back, and I think he's going to come back with a vengeance against uh, Drew Brees. Uh, ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers going down to Dallas. Well, we already know how that's going to turn out, so we'll, uh, uh, we'll we'll let him do his thing. And for the second time this season, I'm featuring your boy Matty Ice as an incredibly strong start um, with uh, going to Denver. Uh, Denver secondary is, you know, they can't cover outside. They can't cover inside. And that leaves essentially the door wide open. Um, I with Calvin Ridley and the potentiality of him maybe sitting this week, but with Julio Jones's return, I don't think that's going to matter much anyway. Um, I, I think with Hayden Hurst and Gag uh, doing their thing, I think he's going to be a, a a very strong candidate this week for a lot of points. Your DFS bargains for DraftKings and FanDuel: uh, Kirk Cousins going to Detroit. And Derek Carr going to the Chargers. Um, I think both of those are going to be, um, if, if you need a quarterback, you're streaming and you need somebody cheap, uh, you're definitely going to be able to buy both of these cats pretty cheap and get a decent, uh, get a good rate of return on your money. Uh, especially, uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of dump off passes, I think, to Dalvin Cook um, and that he's up and running in full speed. And also the, Detroit's defense wall isn't that great, so, um, you know, stay tuned. Uh, some of your deep streamers, if you're in a jam and you need someone that'll do you some decency, uh, on the opposite side of the ball, Drew Locke going to Atlanta. Atlanta still has a lot of defensive problems. He's essentially available in almost all leagues, and surprisingly, Nick Foles is for the Bears uh, going to Tennessee. I think that will be a situation there as well that should be watched. Some of your weaker starts, um, I think Ryan Tannehill going to Chicago. I, if you notice, pretty much every week when a quarterback goes to Chicago, I say it's a you know viewer discretion is advised because it may get ugly, especially Chicago time in colder. Their defense thrives on that shit. Uh, Lamar Jackson going to Indianapolis. Um, you know the Colts are number one when when you come in play in Indianapolis, it's the, their defense. Uh, they, they step up an extra level. It seems like when they're in Lucas oil field, uh, then on top of that, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, just uh, you know, he, he, he's been taking some passing struggles, uh, that are not normal for him. So he might just be in one of those little slumps, but I definitely would set him this week against Indy, uh, drew Brees going against Tampa's defense. Tampa's another one of these defenses, that I am just continuously warning people if you're playing against them, God bless you, because you're going to be in for a really rough day. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is another weaker start. Even though the return of my Lord and Savior, Christian McCaffrey, is coming, I still think that he is... Uh, Teddy Bridgewater himself isn't going to... He just doesn't do well against teams that blitz heavy like uh, Kansas City does. And also, uh, it, you know, it's it's the Chiefs. So, I mean, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, sliding down, uh, one more weaker start. Honestly, now this is a shock because I'm actually saying something positive about the Jets. Uh, on paper, the Jets' defense looks like shit, 
but they have a get right attitude and they know they're playing with their back against the wall. So I think Cam and then also the 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 degeneration of Cam Newton. I think that this is a recipe for disaster for Cam. Uh, so kind of sit back and go on that. And then, of course, old Tua, um, you know, this is his first road matchup against a very aggressive uh, Arizona defense. No, thanks. Um, watch yourself on that one. Um, going down to your running backs, of course, your main starters, Dalvin Cook, J- James Robinson, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Christian McCaffrey. It feels so good to say that out loud again. Oh, God. Uh, Clyde Edwards, Lane, Chase Edmonds. I, I haven't gotten uh, Le'Veon Bell up to that guaranteed start yet. I still think he's going to take on a limited role for the next week or two until things get really rolling and he gets used to that offense. Uh, some of your stronger starters, though, uh, Antonio Gibson going to the Giants. Definitely after a bye week and a decent matchup, uh, I think he'll see some good touches. Uh, Montgomery from Chicago going against Tennessee. Uh, you know, t- Tennessee's run defense is a lot weaker than you think. And then also Montgomery's been running like someone shoved a turbocharger up his ass. So keep watch for that. Uh, Justin Jackson from the Chargers going against the the Raiders. Uh, he's the main man in the middle of the action last week, and I think he's definitely going to keep full steam ahead going into uh, uh, this week going up. Jarek McKinnon from the 49ers against Green Bay. Same thing with the situation. Uh, I think Dalvin Cook exposed a whole lot of, of bad things for Green Bay's run defense that a lot of teams are going to capitalize on. So stay back on that. Uh, David Johnson from the Texans going against Jacksonville. Um, their defense is still a mess. So uh, Johnson, enjoy yourself. People that own Johnson, enjoy yourself. Uh, some of your DFS bargains uh, for DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, Philip Lindsay from the Broncos, of course, going to Atlanta. Matt Breida from the Dolphins playing against Arizona. Even though Tua, I don't think we'll have as strong of a day. I think the run game will uh, will, will will breed, and then also with Miles Gaskin still out with that knee issue, uh, you might as well just you know pick him up if you need him. You're going to be able to buy him for stupid cheap. Uh, your weaker starters, Melvin Gordon going against Atlanta's defense. That's one thing Atlanta has at least been able to do is stop the run. Uh, Rojo and Leonard Fournette against uh, New Orleans. Uh, their their defense is a run stop defense, definitely not a pass stop. So expect uh, Fournette and, and Rojo to have uh, some not so pretty days. Um, even though I, I was just kind of bashing on Baltimore a little bit ago, uh, one thing I will say, their defense is still up to par. I think Jonathan Taylor from the Colts is probably going to have a rough day. Um, but also this whole ankle situation, we're not 100% sure of, uh, of, of where that stands. So more time will tell. Uh, Devin Singletary uh, going again, and Zach Moss going against Seattle. Even though I sit there and trash talk Seattle's defense, um, they are number one. Both those guys are a touchdown dependent uh, uh, fade out, and then also Seattle's defense is fairly decent. They're a middle of the pack against stopping the run. Uh, the the dynamic duo of AP and DeAndre Swift uh, from the Lions playing against Detroit. Um, Swift was rattled last week against, uh, against Indianapolis and the Vikings are finally starting to play defense. So I guess we'll, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. And like I said, with Le'Veon Bell, uh, you know, the revenge game that I was so hyped about was a massive bust. Uh, but you know, he's also new to the team. So I don't want to, I don't want to bust his ass too much. 
but I think eventually you'll see uh, Clyde Award, uh, Edwards Hilaire and take a take a backseat to Le'Veon. I think, uh, of course, Wayne Gillum or Gallum with the Giants going to Washington. Uh, don't expect much out of there, and then uh, Josh Kelly going to the Chargers. Uh, you know, I'm I'm wondering how that that's gonna kind of work itself out. Uh, I think that. Uh, Pope is going to get a little bit more of a of a run back there, well, in Austin Eckler's absence, and you know, going to uh, going into the situation, we'll see what happens. But eh, I don't know about this uh, the value of Josh Kelly going forward. Uh, going down to wideouts, of course, your your go tos, your DeAndre Hopkins, your Julio Jones, your DJ Metcalfs, uh, your your Mike Evans, your Chris Godwin's. If you don't know these guys by now, just just hang it up, turn your phone off, and and stop doing this uh for the first time all season um i'm actually gonna put marvin jones jr on a strong start alert so minnesota's of course uh secondary is is a pile of heaping trash um so watch out for that jones had a slow first half expect him to start being that number one receiver like he was last year um, so hopefully we'll see some more out of him. Uh, Juju Smith, Schuster, uh, he, he didn't do too hot against the Ravens, but I think going against Dallas, he's going to have himself a heyday. Brandon Cooks, uh, definitely against Jacksonville, is going to be a very strong start. Um, he's going to be all over the place, uh, so expect great things out of him. Uh, Jerry Judy going against, again, uh, Atlanta's terrible secondary. Uh, Christian Kirk going against Miami's, again, Terrible secondary. I think Kirk locked locked himself in in his role and where he fits into this Arizona developing offense. Um, and I think that uh, those outside matchups, Kirk is gonna he's he, he's gonna beam him up, Scotty, in a in a lame ass Star Trek reference right there. And uh, Antonio Brown, uh, this is a a I'm I am rolling the dice on him. I have I have put my chips. Uh, do you know what jersey number he's wearing? This week or or for Tampa, has have they assigned it yet? Uh, not that I know of. I well, what was the, do you remember his old number when he played for Tampa, uh, for uh, New England? I can't off the top of my head. Uh, it wasn't eighty four because that was his number in uh in Pittsburgh. I, I can't recall off the top of my head. Well, well, you know what? We're just going to use a roulette reference, and uh, we'll just say bet eighty four in red because of his old number in Tampa's red jerseys. Uh, if we were playing roulette, I would be putting some cash money on spot on Antonio Brown this week. So he's got a great chemistry with Brady, and he knows how to get that long ball. And I think that's my uh, that might be some huge, huge bumps for uh, for old Tommy Boy this week. Some of your DFS bargains for DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, Chenault from Jacksonville, you could buy him cheap. Uh, I think that he's going to do modest against Houston. He's not going to have this huge blowout day, but expect something from him. Uh, and then also Daryl Mooney from Chicago going against Tennessee. Uh, the Titans secondary is just slow. And I think that Mooney's uh, quick acceleration and big play capability is going to get the attention of Nick Foles. And then also uh, Tennessee's defense is going to be so hyper focused on 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 Allen Robinson that they're just going to leave Mooney just wide open. Uh, some of your weaker starts, um, essentially any Dallas receiver you have, go ahead and bench them for the rest of the season. 
Um, I don't see as much as I like Andy Dalton. I just don't see them performing to the level that Dak Prescott was doing. Um, or at least, you know what, let's see after this game, but for weaker starts this game, a you're playing Pittsburgh and B you don't have Dak anymore. So we'll, we'll let's see what happens after this week before I go ahead and, and, and put the knife in the back. Uh, DJ Chark. I don't see him doing very well against Houston. Uh, Devontae Parker going to uh, from Miami going to Arizona, same situation. Um, you know, I think Arizona is going to bottle up Tua. It's not necessarily that the secondary is going to shut down Miami. I think it's that front line that's going to put a lot of pressure on a rookie. Um, even though Corey Davis had one hell of a week last week, uh, the Bears have the size and the intelligence uh, to contain him outside, plain and simple. He Man's not going to have a good week. Um, Marquise Brown going against uh, Indianapolis, same situation. I don't think he's going to have a, a, a good time. Uh, James Crowder from uh, number one, we'll see if he returns, but if he does, sit him. Uh, Scotty Miller, uh, I, I, I think that he, with Antonio Brown uh, coming in and Chris Godwin coming back, his, his fantasy value is pretty much useless. Darius Slater, I have him on, I'm starting to call the teeter-totter, um, where he, he's got Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard around him. Um, so Slayton's role definitely has been cut into. Uh, he, this week, I think, is going to be a very telling sign. Going against a weaker Washington team, two things are going to happen. It's going to be good or it's going to be bad. Um, and then last but not least, Curtis Samuel. Um, he had a great week last week, but expected to be the Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore show again. Uh, for Carolina. For last but not least, your tight ends, uh, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Rob Gronkowski. Uh, you know, unfortunately, as you heard, uh, George Kittle, he's pretty much done for the season. Um, he's He's got some, some serious uh, injuries there. It sucks because, unfortunately, I got him on my team, but thankfully I was able to make a trade to bail me out of a very bad situation. Hashtag thank you, Ladarius. Uh, your stronger starts, uh, TJ Hokinson going against, uh, uh, Minnesota. And also he's going to have a very busy game. The fact that Kenny Galladay is not playing this week with his hip issues. Noah Fant going against Atlanta. Again, I'm not picking on Atlanta, but Atlanta just, their defense sucks. Uh, Hunter Henry from the Chargers going to the, the Raiders. Uh, A, Herbert's being a monster. B, uh, Hunter Henry is fellow monster. Uh, Eric Ebron, uh, he's been getting more and more involved in, in the past game with, with Big Ben, so expect some great things going against a weak Dallas defense. Uh, he, but on the other side of the ball, Hayden Hurst from the Falcons going to Denver. Uh, he could definitely see a bump. He, the, the thing with, with Hayden Hurst, if you have another tight end, be ready to make the swap. If Calvin Ridley doesn't play, plug in Hurst. If Calvin Ridley does play, um, don't do it. And then uh, Jordan Reed going against Green Bay. Uh, I definitely think without George Kittle, you're going to have a, 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 a backup quarterback with a depleted offense, with a depleted defense. I think Jordan Reed or uh, Ross Dwelly are going to be your only options. DFS bargains for this. Logan Thomas for uh, DraftKings and FanDuel from Washington going to uh, the Giants. Uh, he's definitely been a key target since uh, for Kyle Allen. And, well, it, you know, the Giants defense, that's their one weakness is that middle linebacker area. So let's watch out for that. 
your weaker starters, uh, Jared Cook, Mike Jasinki, uh, Darren Fells, Trey Burton, uh, Johnu Smith, and uh, Jimmy Graham. I, I think that he had that one big blow-up week, and ever since then, I, I really haven't seen too much out of him. Um, time will tell, but also, uh, you know, Tennessee – their their linebacker core is very decent, so I think they're they're going to contain him nonetheless. Other than that, that's what I got for my fantasy stardom and sit Um Good luck to everybody. I hope you're in a better position than I am in some of my leagues. I, like I said, I had to I had to 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 make the abandoned ship call. I got one one league left that I still have some hope in that uh, my Lord and Savior Christian McCaffrey is back, so uh, I'll be able to 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 really run up uh, the score at this point. And uh, that's what I got. Well, you know, but before we wrap up, you know, uh, I think it's important to, to talk about, like, look, you know, let's. I'm not going to say what my record is. I'm not going to be the humble brag here. But it, because I've been fortunate, especially last week, I was super fortunate. But yes, yes you were. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks for the pat on the back, Chris. And, <laughs> but so what I will say just before we wrap up is that, hey, Listen, just be smart and calm. You know, listen, tough decisions is going to have to be made. But at the end of the day, Chris, I think it helps people to understand that, listen, COVID, COVID has really wrecked this season. I can, and I can, argue, I can also say it affected teams on the field, like look at New England. Like, I'm not going to say, I'm not making excuses for the Patriots, but half their, you know, literally their most talented players are not playing because of COVID. And, you know, and we don't know the full effect of Cam Newton, you know, and is COVID still affecting him? So it's only important not from a fantasy standpoint, but from, you know, you know, from a, you know, from an overall football standpoint as well. And before we before we wrap up, once again, the socials is at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram. My personal uh, Twitter is at Ladarius Brown on Instagram. It's at the Big Nerd seventy seven. So check that out. And Chris's, I believe it's it's at his Christogram on on Instagram, and it's at Chris UFC Twitter on Twitter. Pretend Twitter. Pretend Twitter. I keep forgetting <laughs> that pretend part. I keep, you know, it, it's it's like that silent P in psychology. It's like you know, you know, it's there, but you still forget to spell it. But but you know, but you know, unless you're thinking to say before we wrap up, Chris. Uh no, that's it, man. Uh, we got some good games. Go Gators. Let's beat the dogs. Uh, the Jets are still garbage. Just end the season. J E T S. And yeah. And uh, oh, by the way, Thursday night Packers Niners. I'm gonna Real call. Uh, I'm gonna call Green Bay. Even Pitt. even though Green Bay got their 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 ass blasted by uh, by Minnesota, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is gonna let that happen twice. And with it, I mean, essentially, uh, San Francisco is playing on borrowed time. Their 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 best pass catchers out. Their starting quarterbacks out. Their defense is still missing in action. Half of them are are laid up. I expect Green Bay to be very angry and uh, <laughs> to take it out in a not so pleasant way in, uh, in at San Francisco. You know, yeah, same here. You you pretty much covered all those points there. I just it may not be over by the half, but it'll be over sooner rather than later. And speaking of things over sooner rather than later, that's this episode of the Sports and the World Podcast. Until you hear and see us again, I'm Larry. I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe for all the people from the sport and the world podcast. See ya!